1: Mix it up, change it up, and
0: dominate. And now, your host, eight times best selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. It's producer Harry again, uh, here to deliver the introduction for today's episode. So, the episode today is with Steve Smith, who is the founder of Poundland. So, for those of you who don't know what Poundland is, maybe some of our international listeners, uh, Poundland is a major retailer in the UK uh, famous for selling all their products for one pound. So, Steve founded the store in the early 90s, and uh, within 10 years, he sold it for a reported £75 million. So Steve explains the whole process and how he started the business, scaled it, and got out selling it for a lot of money. So if you want to know how to scale your business, maybe you're a startup entrepreneur, you've just started your business, Steve is absolutely the man with the knowledge to tell you guys how to start, scale, and exit your business. Steve will share his Poundland journey and the story of how he started everything, and he'll also give tips on how you guys can sell any product for a pound and make a big profit. So the edit for this uh, episode is a little bit different, actually. We decided to try something a little bit new. Steve was very kind. He invited us into his wonderful, lovely house. And we sat down for the interview and, you know, Steve tells us the journey. But also after the interview, me and Rob, we went for a, a wander around Steve's house and he was pointing out all the memorabilia and different things related to the story. So we've edited that in as we're going along with the interview. Now to get the best experience from this episode, I would recommend watching the video which is on the official Rob Moore YouTube channel, and you can actually see everything uh, in person. You can actually see Steve showing and telling everything about his journey and how he built, scaled, and exited his business. So if you want to watch that, go to the official Rob Moore YouTube channel, but of course you guys right now are listening to the podcast, so we're going to get straight into the interview with Poundland founder Steve Smith. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Hi, it's Rob Moore
0: here, and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast and interview. I think I'm in the biggest house I've ever been in in my life, 17,000 square feet. So this is the house of Steve Smith. So Steve set up Poundland in 1990, worked on market stalls from the age of two And in 10 years, he built a business from zero and sold it for 72 million pounds. And that was back in the 90s. We've just had a fascinating chat for probably a couple of hours and walked around this uh, amazing house that Steve has. So we're going to go to the interview. But before we do, make sure that you like this video and subscribe to the channel. Well, I want to say thank you, Steve, because you've allowed us into your home, um, which is very kind of you. This is an insane house I don't even know how, what else you would say um, so for people who don't know you founded Poundland yes and uh, I think it was was it 1990 yeah, that the company started April 1990 Wow so that is what nearly 30
2: years ago it's right <laughs> me no time flies by. yeah it does it does so here is interesting Um this is when the idea of Poundland came from. So when I came back from um, Mallorca to open Poundland, and I was telling people about what, what we wanted to do. I had no no shop to show them. I had no photographs. Mm. So a mate of mine was going to heart class. And I said to him, can you do me... If I tell you where I, where I wanted to be Poundland like, can you do me a couple of drawings? And yes. these are actually watercolours, yeah? All right. And I think we agreed... 20 pound, (laughs) and he did these for 20 pound. And this is the this is what I took to the landlord to show him what a pound landlord looked like. So, this is on the ice Street, and uh, the green color. If you notice, the original color of pound and green is the average green. Yes, (laughs) I wanted to push, wanted to push up the uh. (laughs) The quality. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Aries Green, yeah. it's the prime position, it's a bright shop Yeah, um, and then here if you can look we put the brand. now the brands yeah. when we first ta- started was Kodak, EverReady and um, that's that's close to my mind because w- w- when as a kid my mum's job was working for EverReady she used to solder the tops on the batteries yeah uh, nice. so that was a brand so EverReady, Philips, Pyrex, Timex, Fisher-Price
0: yeah. So that was the first thing I showed people what a Poundland was going to look like. This is like a really big starting question, and you can take as long as you want or as short as you want. But I thought it'd be really nice to take us on a journey from starting Poundland in 1990. Was it about 10 years later you sold it? About 10 and a half a year. Yeah, okay. So 10-year journey, starting a business and then selling it for, what was it, 50 million? Just over. Yeah, just over. So I, I'm just I would just love to listen on that journey and how you started it and how it grew okay great
2: um I suppose it all started um it all started on the on the market store in Bilston, where my, I used to go with my father as a, a little boy and things that used to come out of his original packaging was thrown in a cardboard box and sold for 10p and this box used to take more money than anything else on the store <laughs> And you know customers used to love it, and from the market store um my dad um previously I used to work in a factory, and I was coming along and wanted to make some more money
0: and How old were you at this point
2: um on the market store, oh God, I was two years of age well wow. on the market store <laughs> Mum and dad couldn't afford to uh to pay anyone to babysit me so uh as a young boy, I was on, on the market store, um, and that's where I learned everything I know, really. Yeah. Um, so Dad started selling boxes of pens around his workmates, and uh, he bought a gross of pens off the newspaper, and he then um, bought two boxes, three boxes, got the market store, but found he could make more money working the market store than he could working all week in the factory. Right. So the first uh, market store was in Bilston, and he We had Wolverhampton, and then we had Birmingham. Um, And we found on the market store that the brightest store, in the best position with the right products, took the most money. And not long after, my dad uh, uh, had a, a small cash and carry called Hooties after his nickname. And again, we moved several times. And my dad used to say, one day, all this will be yours. And about three months after he told me, that he sold the business, and said, we're going, you know, I've sold the business, we're going to live in Mallorca.
0: And we- And how old were you at that point?
2: I was 17. Right. And at the age of 17, I'll always remember, um, my dad at the time in Hooties was giving a lot of credit to customers and I said, dad, rather than give credit, why don't we open the shop ourselves?" Right. And I was with um, my wife, Tracy, or my girlfriend at the time, and um, cause, because the warehouse didn't use to open up a Saturday, I was shopping with her in West Bromwich and saw uh, this small shop with a big sign above the door to rent. And I thought, God, at 17, there's no way they're gonna let me have this shop. So Monday morning I got on the phone, put a deep voice on and said I'd <laughs> like to take the shop. <laughs> and I did the deal at the age of 17 and uh, took the shop with a 26 grand year rent and opened it up and it was called Steve's Disket Market. And this shop in West Bromwich became my dad's biggest customer. He took he took a, over a million pounds in the first year. Wow. Which was amazing. And I bought all the products off my father. Right. So when dad told me he was going to sell out um, and we was going to live in Mallorca, because um, my other family lived in Mallorca, yeah. um, we said, great. We How sold. did that
0: make you feel, sorry to jump in, bearing in mind he'd said one day all this is going to be yours? I was gutted because... I used
2: to work seven days on the market store. I'd seen the business grow up from, um, you know, from the market store into a little warehouse in um, a little warehouse in Tipton, um, where I'll always remember before I went to school, we used to go to the warehouse. Um, we couldn't afford alarm system, so we had some Alsatian dogs, which we have to... <laughs> they
3: always... work, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> which I'll always remember. The first job was clearing the mess up before I went to school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then coming back out of school and, uh, you know, Quickly doing my own work and then helping customers load the van up and all that sort of stuff. So I grew up in the business. Yeah. So I was pretty gutty when Dad said he'd sold the business. Um, so were you,
0: were you working on the markets from a kid, basically?
2: Yeah, from yeah. two two years of age. So I'd be working, you know, um, at two. Um, so Saturday I'll be on the market stores. After I left school uh, at sixteen, Monday to Friday I'll be in the warehouse. Yeah. And Sunday was off day trading in the warehouse. Right. So I was working all
0: week yeah. trying to build up the business. And uh, did you love did you love doing that? Was it what your dad kind of nudged um, you to do?
2: Um yes, yeah, so I did enjoy buying and selling products because yeah. that was the um, that was my life really. Yeah. I'd been brought up to and I used to enjoy bu- buying the products. Yeah. Um, so I went from work in the market store, to work in the warehouse, to sweeping the floor, to filling up the racking, to serving the customers, and then to buying. Yeah. And I think buying is the one I, that is the job I really enjoy doing the most. And
0: I, I think I was quite good at it. What do you like about the the buying?
2: Um, to, to be able to get a great deal, to get great value for money for the customers. Yeah. To be able to take that product into the warehouse and to see it sell very quickly. Yeah and obviously make a profit on it. Um, and with that, for me, you're only as good as your products. If you if if you get great products, you don't need to be the best salesman
0: in the world to sell them. Right, and how do you sniff out a good deal?
2: Um, I'd say mainly through the contacts we built up over the years, you know. On the market store, we used to have people travel the country to come and sell us products. And uh, it's down to the people you know and where to get a good deal. Yeah. Um.
0: Can you remember the best product you've ever had? Like if you could sell that all day, every day, would be like a dream.
2: Oh, God, there's many products we have bought. Um, um, so we've traveled the world buying products. We've bought uh, golf clubs for a pound. <laughs> <laughs> a I whole haven't. set. Wow! <laughs> so we bought golf courseware and we bought uh, office desks, six foot desks for a pound. Um, <laughs> so it's just amazing, I, I enjoy buying parcels of stock where you don't know what you're going to get. Right. So you, you know, we bought 10 containers of mixed stock.
0: A, almost a like bottom. a gamble to try and find yeah. what's in it. and
2: again it's like Christmas, you open up every box this yeah. see what you've got and it's uh, priced up accordingly. but it was amazing. Yeah. Um, so my father had built the, um, built the cash and carry and uh, we had a cash and carry in um, Tipton called Devono and it was one of the biggest cash and carries in the in Europe. Wow. At the time we turned in 80, 1985, we turned over about 12 million pounds in this one warehouse, which was wow. great. In, in
0: 1985 money as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And people used to travel uh, from all over
2: the country, including uh, we used to have some big customers from Ireland. Yeah. Um, so when Dad said to me, and I, you know, I was looking forward to opening more cash and carries, and when Dad said to me, look, I've sold the business, we're going to live in New York, I was gutted. Mm. Um, my father and family left the country, and I had to stop for three months to hand over the business. And within these three months, we uh, we had an house, uh, me and Tracy was living in. Uh, we sold the house, we bought a trailer, to put our personal belongings in. And the night before we was going, my wife started crying. I don't leave my friends and family, I want to come back. And uh, so I was gutted again. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so you were going to go to New Yorker, you,
0: yeah, you were off. So we
2: had a one-way ticket. Wow. And my parents met me at the airport and uh, on the way back to their villa, we said we got some news, we're not stopping, we're going back home. And this is where my father says, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I can't go back into the warehouse because I'm contracted not to. Uh, You've sold the business, so I'm going to go into retail. And this is where we talked about the market store. Do you remember on the market? And my father said to me, do you remember on the market store when we did that 10B box? And I said, yes. And the pound coin had just been redesigned. Wow. And we put the two and two together and we come up with lots of names, why don't we sell things for a pound? And we come up with lots of names, we come up with Pound Time, Pound Wool, Pound Land, and it was Pound Land that we liked the name the best. Yeah. So I came back, uh, we had two weeks holiday, we was gutted crying as we came back. Um, and I came back to open poundland
0: stores. And how old were you then when you opened your first Pound Land store?
2: I was, oh God,
0: 20,
2: 22?
0: young yeah yeah 22 yeah
2: so i came back to the uh, i came back to the uk in april <clears throat> 1990 and um i found a little office in sedgley and uh, bought a second-hand fax machine 2nd desk my father loaned me some money because i think he was feeling a bit guilty <laughs> 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 they'd sold the business and i was out of a job yeah And I came back, um, we opened a little office. My wife used to work in there. And while she was doing the answering the phone calls and everything, I was busy trying to find a store. Right. And I thought it was going to be a lot easier than what it was. Aren't we all? (laughs) Yeah. And what I learned from uh, on the market the brightest store with the right products in the right position took the most money. Yeah. So I wanted to be in high streets. So I wanted right. to be on the uh, retail parks yeah. where there's a great customer flow, where the people are.
0: Yeah, And I wanted a bright store. Right. So I am... Um, when you say bright, you mean the logo, the design, the shop window. Is that what you mean? Well, so, so I'll give you an example. So on the market store where everybody else was
2: using Fortune 60-watt light bulbs, we had 150 watt light bulbs. Right. Yeah. So we had the brightest on the market. Yeah. <laughs> which, made us yeah. di- which made which made this difference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah. can okay, uh, yeah, in those dark nights, October, November. It was like a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the brightest store. Um so I, I travelled the country looking for stores and got the same knockback. You know, how can you sell things for one pound? How are you gonna pay the big rents? Um How are you going to find the staff? It will never work. Yeah. But so from April to um, October, every day I go out, every day I get back, no shop.
0: Yeah. And how did that make you feel?
2: Oh, terrible because, uh, you know, I, I just knew it was going to be a success, you know, but nobody'd seen that cardboard box, how busy it was. Yeah. And now the customers loved it.
0: Is there anything that upsets you or pisses you off? in your industry
2: oh got in my industry
0: um or did oh, anything gosh. wrong with it or what you wanted to change oh got
2: it was very hard for the landlords to get people on board so yeah we've got a new concept to get landlords to actually come and see what you want to do at the time we started off in the recession there wasn't so many Free shops as there was today, yeah. but landlords didn't want to know about. They did I don't know. Landlords probably had it too good, yeah. So they didn't want to. They people don't want change. Mm. And and now, if I'm really honest, the end result which I could see going on, every town looks the same. They've got a right. pound and they've yeah, got Primark. They, they, yeah. they all the All same. the shopping centres, yeah. So all the shopping centres, all the towns look the same. All the yeah. same retailers. And again, if they had spent a bit more time allowing new people to come into the centre, each town could look look different and it wouldn't be like it is today.
0: Right. And when people say to you, oh, that'll never work, because some entrepreneurs, that seems to fire them up, how did that make you feel?
2: Um, Well, I I tell a lot of entrepreneurs now people say, people laugh when you tell them your idea, the chances are it's going to work. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so I suppose I had a lot to prove. Um I, uh, you know, to prove the concept. Um I'd never really sold everything for one pound. You know, in the c in the cardboard box things were sold for ten P. Yeah. Um Yeah, but but I knew how to source and buy products, so that yeah. was, that gave me a lot of confidence. Um, so we came across, a, I was hoping that the landlords would come and look with me or show interest, but they didn't. Most landlords are in London. Um, but we finally found a landlord that was struggling renting out in a, in a, in Burton-on-Trent, a shopping centre called the Octagon Centre. And I did the deal, not realising it was a, an empty shell. And that was the reason why lots of people wasn't interested. Yeah an empty shell and all the you know the regulations you got to put fire alarms there you got you've got to do a lot more work than just taking on a, a standard sh- shop right and um, so on December the thirteenth nineteen ninety we opened the first Poundland Um there was six hundred and forty eight products and on the first day we took over thirteen thousand pounds which was amazing Ooh. really
0: yeah. And, and was everything on sale for a pound in the shop? Absolutely everything.
2: Every 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 item. there's was nothing more or nothing less. Every item was one pound. Yeah. And um, the customers loved it. Yeah. And um, we got a little bit of press. And yeah, that was amazing. We six hundred and forty eight products.
0: Yeah, thirteen thousand units.
2: The, the landlords loved it because we we drawed a lot of people into the shopping centre. Right. And from there, we was able to rent out a lot more stores. Yeah. So again. After the first shop opened, it was very difficult because it was getting so close to Christmas, you know, the Christmas trading period. Um, I'd bought a lot more stock than I needed for one store. Um, I had 30 days payments, 30 days to pay right. for the stock. I had a small loan off my father and thinking, well, if th- this shop doesn't do well, every element we're going to pay the suppliers. Mm. So I had a, sh- a short period of time. To make it work or not yeah. make it work.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, after the first shop opened, I thought it was going to be a lot easier. Once again I thought the landlords would come and have a look at the shop. Now I've got one open. They never did. Yeah. The landlords, mostly in London, they wouldn't travel to come and look at one shop.
0: Mm-hmm. So I had
2: a brochure, uh, a brochure done. And they took photographs and did brochure of the shop, and I posted it to all the landlords. And again, I was still struggling, and I thought to myself, "How am I going to, am I going to get, get this over? People not believing in the concept." And I looked, um, I found out that um, the best shopping centre in the country is a shopping centre in Sheffield called the Meadowall Shopping Centre. Yeah. So I went. Um, I found out who the owner was—a guy called at the time, Hedy Lee. Yeah,
0: I know, no know, know of him. Yeah.
2: I got to phone him up. He actually took my call after about phoning twenty times every day, <laughs> keeps yeah. trying to drive him mad. Um, I asked him if I could come and see him about taking the shopping and he sent it. And he finally agreed to see me. I didn't tell him what we wanted to sell or what we wanted to do. And to make sure it wasn't late and there and did my armwork properly, we went down the night before. I looked around the centre. I looked where where could a you know where could Poundland really work in the centre, and found. The best place was on the on the bottom floor, yeah, I needed three thousand square feet to really make it, at least two thousand square feet to make it work, yeah, and um, couldn't afford an hotel, so we slept in the car that night and and at at, at this stage, um, Dave Dodd, who used to work for my father at Tootie's, had joined the company. Um, he was working um, after my father sold. He went to work for one of our big suppliers and was paid a lot of money. Um, at the time in nineteen ninety, he was paid hundred and twenty thousand pounds, which is good wages for that, for that mm. time. And he phoned me up and he says, I've heard you a pound and I says, Yes. And he said, I'd like to come and join you. And I said, Dave, there's no way I'm gonna pay your wages. You're, on, you're on. People tell me you're on he said, Well, I am. I says, well, I can't afford that. And he said, Well, what can you afford? I said I don't know, 200 quid a week, and he went done. Wow. <laughs> so Dave also took a big gamble by yeah. joining the company and... Uh, Why do you think he did that? Um, because he would probably worked for my father and myself for quite a few years. He knew, he knew that we'd, you know, he, he knew certainly I that what I wanted to grow something. Yeah. He, and he believed in the concept. Um, so Dave was one of the persons that believed in the concept. Um, we joined the company and for that we give Dave 5% shares and then 10 and then 15% shares of the company as we grew So
0: his um, faith in you was rewarded?
2: This is one of the shots in the warehouse. There were six aisles. This is one of the aisles. Um, this warehouse was um, designed to turn over half a billion. Wow. Um, there was 37,000 pallet spaces locations in there. Um, and... Um, somebody actually presented me this because he, he said I'd negotiated that good on the racking. He only made a pound, <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, "A pound's enough in Yeah, and he's yeah. actually For a pound. One pound would be enough.
0: Could get he's that Actually
2: He's actually giving me the pound back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he made nothing. <laughs> so he made.
0: Yeah.
2: So I said, "I'm going to give you the pound back." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So me and Dave had stopped the night in Meadowhall Shopping Centre and, and had a meeting with Eddie Ely. Um, presented to him and at the end of the presenta- pres- uh, presentation he said, I've got two things to say. I said, yeah. He said, number one, I love the concept. I went, oh great, we've got a shop. <laughs> and the second word was, I'm sorry, but I've got no shops. And at this stage, we said, it was really good that we went down the night before because we'd done our own work and we said, well, we think we've identified a shop on the lower floor and it was called Video Magic. He went, yeah. And I said, well, we believe that with the internet coming along, customers love to go and fetch a, um, a video film, you know, the old tapes, mm. but nobody likes to take them back. Yeah. And with the age of the internet coming along, we believe people are going to start to download films in the future. And we said, look, if this shop comes available, can we have it? And he says, if it comes available it's yours. And two months later, we had a phone call. He was right, the, the shop's available. Um, so we did the deal. What we didn't understand, or we didn't ask, we thought we'd done our own work properly, yeah. But this shop was 120,000 pounds rent a year, wow. The service charge was 90 grand, yeah, and the rates was nearly 100 grand, yeah. So this shop in 19, uh, almost 1991 was almost like 260,000 pounds,
0: and you and the Burton on Trent one was 60, yeah, all in, wow. <laughs> So we've gone from sixty to a quarter of a million pounds. Wow! And is this your second store? The second
2: store. Yeah, yeah. So it's such a massive gamble. And I found my father in in uh, in and he said to me, "Dave, says, God, that's more money than than I had the biggest warehouse in Europe. (laughs) You must be mad. (laughs) You better come over and discuss it." (laughs) So me and Dave went over to Mallorca uh, for a, a weekend and uh, discussed the shop. And Dad said, "I can't believe you know you're going from sixty grand to a quarter million pound rent for your second shop. Yeah, how's this ever going to work?" And and I'll always remember while we was discussing it, and there was a dustman man who was emptying my dad's bins at the time. He'd stopped uh, and we and he was listening to the conversation. And as a joke, we said, what do you think we should do? He he says, have the shop. (laughs) So it was actually a dustman who made the first decision. (laughs) Um, So my dad says, okay, that's it then. So we came back to Mallorca. Um, Me and Dave, again, it was coming up to Christmas. We spent, it's probably the first time I ever spent 54 hours working without any sleep. Wow. And uh, my dad, for the first time, came over from in, uh, from New York, to see the shop, yeah, because you could not believe how much we pay for it. Mm. And I'll always remember um, about our past. Not, uh, we, we to save money, we had like a Day glow sign and Burton Trent grand opening nine thirty. And to save money, we'd we'd roll this Day Globe card up, and we thought we'd use that for the next shop opening. So we put it in the window, grand opening nine thirty. Yeah, and uh, we'd work fifty four hours. My dad had just arrived there, the shop looked amazing, we had some great stuff in um, And at 931 31, we thought, oh god, we can't open the doors yet, there's one person outside the door. And my dad must ask me a million times, how much have you paid for this shop? <laughs> and at the time, we said, oh god, let, let's go and get a coffee from McDonald's. And we walked to McDonald's in the food court, and there, after all the coffee talking to the manager, we said, I can't believe it. We think we've got a great position in Mediwal Shopping Centre. We're opening a new shop called Poundland today, selling within £1. Opening's 9.30, there's one person outside the shop. And then that's when he said to us, well, the Shopping Centre done up until 10. <laughs> 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 so, uh, <laughs> uh, we didn't do our own work properly on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were just too busy opening the store. Yeah. Um, when and we at came, 10, did it When did we it came fill? back, we came back about five minutes after 10, and my father was standing outside. There wasn't enough room for him to get in. Wow! And that week in two thousand two hundred square feet, which was a small stall, we took one hundred thirty four thousand pounds. Wow! Which was amazing. Yeah. And then from there, um, from there, really, was uh, the job became a lot. That was our biggest break. And the job became a lot easier.
0: What, because you had a proof of concept in a big shopping centre? Well, what we
2: used to say then to landlords, if Poundland is good enough for Meadowall's shopping centre, yeah. it's good enough for your shopping centre. Yeah. And from there we opened shop after shop, and then my dr- my first dream was to, let's say, beat Dad's turnover, because Dad used to turn up 11, 12 million cash and carry, so the first one, let's do 10 million, let's yeah. do 12 million, okay, we beat that. The next was, let's do 20 million, let's do 50 million, let's do 100 million, and the dream became, Headbeat can this concept been And
3: if you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Good. Welcome to the Airbnb consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started.
2: I always remember carrying this leaflet around with me. If anybody used to talk to me about Poundland, I used to carry it out of my pocket and talk about, this is the stores, this is the staff. Yeah. And the dream became a billion pound. Wow. Um, Did you get made? it? Which is amazing, really. Yeah. Well, um, so Poundland became um, a you know a brand that people recognised with it. There's I always remember you know people joking. You know, you used to see the comedians talking about you know I got it from the Pound Shop. Yeah. Even down to on Coronation Street. You know, <laughs> yeah. Got it from the Pound Shop. We had quite a few celebrities. We've had uh, well, loads of celebrities coming in the shop, which is amazing. Um, we used to travel the world buying product, um, so we used to have a, an office in India, an offices in China, in Hong, Hong Kong. Um, I used to spend all my time traveling the world, finding great products for the store. Um, one of the odd things was, because I used to work in a warehouse in a cash and carry in one place, when you open up multiple sites, it's hard to let go sometimes. And I'll always remember it was an ice-cream man that gave me more confidence, (laughs) and at the time he had nine ice-cream vans, he said, well, what's better, Steve, having one ice-cream van working at 100%, or having nine or ten, and 90%, Mm. or 90%. So what I did, um, I relaxed a lot more, but I put a lot of time into software. So the software that made sure that all the shops had the right product at the right time, that um, with the linked up the wares with all, all, all the branch managers on reordering all the products and that, and that gave me a lot more confidence. So software really helped the business grow, really.
0: Yeah. I noticed when I uh, used your bathroom, there's this glass table with lots of autobiographies on it. Yeah, yeah. So is there like one person or one autobiography that you've read that you think's great, that Um, if you were listening to a podcast, you'd want to listen to that person?
2: um, That's difficult for me. I've never read a book in my life.
0: Oh, right. They're just there for show. Well, um... (laughs) Let's have a look. Get the butler in. So people like... You've never read a book in your whole life.
2: um, So people like David, um, David's friend. yeah. So, so, uh, so on the journey, you get to meet lots of different people. David, mm-hmm. this is David Cortad. Um yeah. this is his book. I mean, got, David's agreed, isn't
0: he, to do the podcast? He has. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. 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 So, so if you speak David, I'll. I'll speak, yeah, I'll say hi. I spent yeah. quite a bit of time on boats with David and good the good left here. Yeah? yeah. Um. Kevin. So these people's friends, Kevin Threfall. Right. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Threfall was the guy who started the one stop shops. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Kevin's book. So. Lots of different books I've got and signed copies and all sorts uh, is because um,
0: right, I know the friends people of yours who've written the books. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. and uh, the same as yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I've interviewed Simon. a really lovely man. Yeah, nice yeah. guy. And
2: and although I haven't finished yet, I have started. Ah. <laughs>
0: If you can get it finished
2: by the time we go live we can promote it for you yeah so i've started to do a book um and mainly for charity so uh, um we we're doing a charity event and although i hadn't finished it and uh, oh god maybe i should just have some copies printed up to sell it for charity yeah. i like did yeah um so just it's gonna be, it's gonna be called mr poundland yeah 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 all right so, so I've, the problem is i've never read the book in my life and maybe that's down to time and if i'm really honest I get. Bored when I read. Um, the only time it was good is when I started l- speed reading. Yeah, speed
0: reading was better for me. Yeah, but I've never completed the book. No. <laughs> so how do you get all your information then? Because now you've got great books, great podcasts. You can learn a lot online. Yeah, how yeah, do yeah. you How do you learn when you want to figure something out?
2: Um. Oh God, when I want to figure. Um, okay, I never read instructions. No, I always put stuff. To, uh, yeah. I always try and figure it out. Right, let instructions. If if there's something in business that I need help with, then because the amount of people I know, I'll just pick up the phone. And yeah. just a say a voice. Hmm. And um, um, it over the years, but obviously we're we Googling that these days. There's certain yeah. things you can, you know, you, you can just in the sentence you can yeah. figure things out, can't you?
0: Yeah. Uh, it's quite common, isn't it, for entrepreneurs who. Higher, and then maybe set up multiple locations to find, find it really hard to let go of control and doing it your way and maybe a bit of perfectionism. Um, how did you manage to do that? Okay, it sounds like the ice cream van man gave you some good advice, but how did you actually manage to let go? How many stores did you have before you sold? Before we sold, we turnover over over 200 million pounds. Yeah.
2: And it was over just over a hundred stores.
0: Wow! So you, I mean, you've you clearly have got good at letting go because you can't you can only be in one store at a time. You can only be in one store at a time. But
2: the systems we had was fantastic. So, for example, from my desk in, in in head office, which was in, um, in not far from on the backcountry route, but that we built, um, I could see. I could look around with the cameras around the stores. I could right. see actually what's going through the till. So if mm-hmm. I could watch some. So I could look at the old company where it's turning over. As I drilled down, I could drill right the way down so I can actually watch a till, watch the items being scanned and coming up on my screen that was wow.
0: going through the till. And, and this is in the 90s? Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, we, had, we had some fantastic software. I'll always remember we started working with a company called M&O uh, with a guy called George. And we got to be their biggest customer. And then just before the last move, I said, George, come and join us, you'll be the IT director. So we bought their company out and then they joined us. Right. Which was great. Yeah. Um, so, so it's amazing, the software and the growth. But the other thing was the distribution warehouse. Um, I'll always remember, um, it's amazing how things work out really. The warehouse that, um, the piece of land, oh, the warehouse that we built, the Retail Support Center, is the same warehouse where my dad used to, was the factory that my dad worked in. Right. And I'll always remember, before we knocked it down, the factory and built our distribution center, um, I found dad and he was due to come to a visit to England from Mallorca. And I said, I've got something to show you. And I took him to the factory, and he said, God, this is the factory where I used to work, I said, yeah. well, no. Took him around the factory, and I'll always remember, there's a metal floor, you see, you see on that messing floor, you? yeah, he says, in my dinner hour, that's where I learned to play cards. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this is the same factory he used to go around selling these pens. Right. Yeah. And he said, how come you bought me? I said, we've just bought it. Yeah. So build oh, right. the new retail support centre. Yeah. And uh, amazing, um, prior to my dad working there selling his pens, my granddad met my nan there. My granddad used to work in this factory as well.
0: Right. So we bought it. So there's a lot of family history, that place. Yeah, so we bought it, uh, built the,
2: uh, we developed. So uh, I used to always remember um, traces. my wife's mum and dad used to work at Steve's Discount Market. They they used to, uh, cash, they were cashing up and they used to go to their house every Sunday for dinner. And I used to, as we were building the warehouse, and it was more or less on a bag packet, we built a warehouse uh, which is about 250,000 square feet And that was capable of turning over half a billion.
0: Yeah. So um, we're, I reckon we're halfway through the journey, maybe. And I'll keep that thread going through. But some questions as you go. I'm fascinated to know, how did you invest the money that your dad loaned you to start the company? And the reason I ask is many people, many startup entrepreneurs get money to invest and they often don't know what to do with it. Is it personnel, marketing, stock, a bit of all? How did you invest it?
2: Well obviously for me, the the first thing was um, we we had an office to work from. Um, uh, With that office, um, the reason I had the office was to, um, it was somewhere for the post to go to, somewhere for, I I thought I was going to get a shop quicker than I did, but it was somewhere for me to start buying from. the first shop was the most important thing because without a shop you got nowhere to sell your product. Yeah. So the first thing was getting the shop and pouring the money into some racking, the tills, yeah. Yeah. getting it open. Yeah. Um, from there, because we had a track record with our suppliers, some of the suppliers we had to pay Proforma for products, but the suppliers we had a, a track record, they give us a bit of credit. Yeah. Uh, so get the products in once the products was in because I was in shops and because we paid Big events to get the positions. We didn't need to spend any money on marketing because you got the flow of customers coming past the door Yeah, and again if the products but because the products was really good word of mouth people would tell people yeah um, So we, we spent Nothing at all on marketing. Yeah it was all on the... Because
0: you've got the locations. Yeah.
2: It's all yeah. about opening the shop as cheaply as we could. Right. And spending the money on the product.
0: Yeah. Okay. So in your journey, we've got to your second store. So take us to 10, 50 and, and the growth of it. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. So the, well, the second, well, as soon as we opened Meadowhall Shopping Centre, like I said, it was um, if Poundland's good enough for Meadow, it's good enough for your shopping centre. So we did now photographs of what we was doing. We did um, mail shots to all the suppliers. Yeah. We then got somebody uh, on board called uh, Bernard Macleodum. He just uh, started his own company, and he was hungry to get fees. Yeah. So he would go out and find more stores for us. Yeah. I'll always remember me and Dave used to go to the shops that was offered and stand outside and count the number of people passing the door every hour. Know, put your watch on how many people are passed all oh, is he busy enough? Yeah. How much rent do they want one do? It? You never know how much money you're gonna take until you open the doors. Yeah. Even at the death. Right. It was almost like I dunno, the biggest shop we could get for a hundred thousand pound rent was seemed to be like the right type of formula.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: Um and then, as we were opening shop after shop, the important thing was the buying power. As our turnover, you know, a, tip, a typical store would turn over, let's say, a million pound. Uh, metal, at the time, was turning over about 2.3 million. not yeah? Yeah. Um, and as the buying power came on, it allowed us to do lots more with the product, yeah? So I love giving value for money. So, for example, let's say we're selling, um, 72 pegs in the bag, you know, 72 wooden pegs in the bag. Yeah. Because now we're back, we can now go to the Far East, we can start importing. Right. So as soon as our turn- turnover was about £10 million, we was importing. Yeah. Which allowed us to get better value products to make a little bit more margin. Yeah. Um. It, it, yeah, so sourcing the world. Um, the only difficult there was, if I'm honest, looking back... Um. I always say to the entrepreneurs, you've got to get the balance right. You know, you've know, got to be good at business, um, good partner and a good dad. Um, I probably missed the best years of my daughter growing up because right. I used to go out in the morning, she was asleep. I used to get home, she was asleep. Or I was travelling the world finding products.
0: Um, Any regrets there? Um,
2: yeah, yeah. I, I, I believe I could, I could have balanced that more properly, but time flies by and before you know it's, uh, yeah, I suppose with me before I know she was 16. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, a little regret, but I suppose if you're growing businesses that you have to sacrifice certain things, but uh, it's just making sure you get the balance a bit better than I did on that, mm. on that front.
0: And the growth that you grew from 0 to 200 million um, after your initial finance from your dad, did you borrow external money or was it all funded through profit and cash flow of the business?
2: It, it was all um, through cash flow and business. The bank hardly or very little loaned us. So from the initial loan from my father, we grew everything out to cash flow. Yeah. So um, I would go to um, the, our finance uh, guy at the time, and say, Chris, how much money have we got in the bank? How much money have we got available? Oh, that'll, that'll open four shops, five shops. Right. Um, as we got bigger, landlords started giving us rent free,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which then made we, we, we can open up another store for less cash. Um, so we opened shop after shop and, and then what happened was, as we got bigger, Dave started um, working more on the shop side, and I worked on the the distribution, on the supply chain, and on the finance side. Yeah. So, you know, you would be opening stores. I'll be going and, and sorry, systems. I spent so much time on systems. Um, I mean, our systems were fantastic. The uh, I'll always remember KPMG came down to see us and said, "God, the, the top supermarkets would love your software." Mm. <laughs> Because you have to get it right. Yeah. You know, selling things for one pound, you you can't come down. There's only one way to come down on price: is you have to do two for a pound.
0: Right. Yeah. Which you lose
2: a lot of money. Of course. So you have to get it right. You have to get the systems right and information right. Yeah. Um. So we used to have a team. Um. So from me and Dave, we then in, uh, started like area managers, and and then we got um. A finance director, and the team started developing. Yeah. Um, so it was ma- amazing. So from so from you know me and Trace in an office 1990 to employing almost six
0: thousand people. Wow! In ten years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 200 million in 10 years. Yes. Selling products for a pound. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Can you remember what the rough average margin was at the point, maybe, of selling? Like you sell for a pound. Can you remember the margins on those? Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, so, so it's all about, um, I
2: mean, something that we created, um, because I'll always remember everybody keeps saying you need more margin. And for me, it's not just about the margin, it's about the margin. Uh, we, we come up with a form they called the margin rate to sale. Yeah. So I'll give an example. So imagine we're selling a four-pack kitchen roll for a pound, and let's say it costs us 50p. For 60p, we can sell six. Right, yeah. And instead of selling hundreds, you sell thousands a pack yeah. of six. Yeah. And make more money. Right. Uh, so I'd always pass on the value. At the time, the average price, remember, when we sell things for a pound it's like 83p plus the VAT, and at the time the average price of when we it was about 55 56p yeah um which allowed as long as we achieved the high turnover we was able to pay the wages the cost and and i'll always i always remember my finance um director coming in and says you've done it steve and i said done what it says your expenses now are a million pound a week. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's frightening. When, yeah. you, when you get up Monday morning, you've got to make a million pound that week before you make anything.
0: Can you remember the best advice you ever got?
2: There's no bad products, only bad prices. Right. So if yeah. you don't price up your stuff, you, you know, you, like the WD-40, I, I, you know, then you don't sell it and, and don't go anywhere. Um, I always say to people, if you've got an idea, before you do it yourself, go and work for somebody. Mm. If I had to go and work for my father, so, you know to buy to sell and to learn how to do it and although it's are selling okay we went retail some things you don't have to change much to be very successful or not but yeah. i always say to people go and work for somebody doing what they do, what you want to do first yeah uh, before you start something i see a lot of people come up with an idea and it's different to what you think mm. So there's been you know exci- exciting times through Panland's growth and you know we, we moved three or uh, well, several warehouses. Um, the one warehouse we had a small warehouse, and then we bought next door and was able to buy next door again. So we had three or four warehouses in the line. And then we moved again. Mm. Um, um, and uh, what I found is every five years you'd have a dip in profit and turnover when you needed to move warehouse. Right. That the last warehouse that we built, I'll always remember, um, it was late being built. Um, Standard. Well, <laughs> I'll always remember, the. Uh, we had somebody tapped the door and said, uh, this used to be an engineering business. I said, yeah, my dad used to work there, factory. He said, you've got to put lime in the dirt, in the soil. And I'll always remember um, paying out a cheque for £300,000 all these lorries bringing lime to, tick, to tip in the dirt before we could start it wow crazy regulations
0: yeah, yeah we've just had a two hundred pound quote for asbestos removal in one of our properties and it's hard to budget for stuff like that it's
2: hard to budget yeah. and also it delays you so i'll always remember um the warehouse was late we had stock from we had new uh, another eight or nine stores opening we had stock coming from all over the world mm. um we was banking on this warehouse it was going to be late yeah and uh, making a dready call to Dave, Dave, the west is going to be like, we need some temporary warehouses. And we had to find three warehouses quick, we had to staff it, and we didn't have the systems to cope with three
0: warehouses. Yeah.
2: And I always remember, um, just before we sold out, um, one of our top suppliers came to see me, and we was building the new warehouse at the time, and said, what can I? Do? I thought he was going to sell me a bit of stock. <laughs> and I said, "What can I do for you?" He says, uh, "I want to buy Poundland." And I'll always remember he gave me a cheque for ten million pound. Um, and I've got smacked. <laughs> and um, I had to said, um, oh, "I need to discuss with Dave and Dad before I can tell you." He says, "Well, tell me in the morning." <laughs> so I'll always remember finding my father and saying, uh, "Surprise, can you Just give me a cheque for 10000000 First words out of my dad's mouth was, sell it. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Dad, I'm not ready. I'm building this warehouse. we will shop shop. Well, well shop, shop
0: Can you remember the year?
2: Um, that was uh, uh, two, 2000, uh, 2000,
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so year 2000. Yeah. And I said, Dad, I'm not ready. Uh, David says, it's up to me. And I said, Dad, I'm, I'm not ready. I'm going to keep it. And Dad gave me loads of, you know, you should do this, you should tell you. Know, and the, um, but he said, okay, it's up to you. So we kept it. We tried, the, the Christmas was coming, we were opening this warehouse, it came late. We had to open three warehouses. And I said to the supplier, look, can we talk again in January? And he says, yeah, I've, I've got Christmas, I've got to get the warehouse open. Yeah, he said, okay, fine. He said to me, keep the check i put this check in my in my back pocket.
0: Do you still have it, by the way?
2: Um, No. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was not you what. There's a story in that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I used to look, every day I used to look at this check, and the wearis became late, and when we got the dready call about, we're not going to open for Christmas, we need three Tempe wearises. Oh, maybe I should have took this check. Um, the warehouse became late. We couldn't get the stock to the stores. And I'll always remember Christmas Eve, we had this fantastic warehouse, beautiful, and sitting in the warehouse was £10 million worth of Christmas stock we didn't sell. Wow. Because we were late bringing mm. it in, we couldn't get it to the stores. Christmas Eve, I came back uh, back home, and I said to the wife, well, I should have probably took this check. <laughs> um, and I was worried, how the hell, I'm going to pay for this stock. I'm not sure Poundland is going to survive if everybody wants uh, paying ping. And January, the, um, the the supplier was invited to the warehouse. He looked all the way around the warehouse. He said, oh, great, I love the warehouse, love everything. Now take me to the ballroom and show me the figures. Took him to the ballroom, um, showed him the turnover we did Christmas because we couldn't get to the stock to the stores. Turnover is way down. In the way, as you could see, we had 10 million pounds of stock. And he said to me, have you still got my cheque? And I said, yes. Took it out my back pocket there. It is all crimpled up. <laughs> <laughs> so Look at everything, and he And in front of me, he ripped the cheque up. And his words was, thank God I never bought it. And he put the the cheque in the bin, all ripped up. And he probably took me an hour to get the courage up to phone Dad up. And I said, Dad, as soon as I bit the phone up, his words was, okay, has he bought it? And I said no daddy's ripped the check up and he said I told you so Mm. (laughs) and my father I think he ended up putting the phone down on me (laughs) and uh, I suppose the old term you know if you're the leader of the business it's very lonely sometimes at the top Mm. thinking how the hell I'm going to pay for all this stock yeah all the bills were piling in and I thought to myself how are we going to get out of this one Um, So what we decided to do, because we had a new warehouse and we were opening up a new store in Liverpool, which was the biggest shop we'd ever opened. It was about 10,000 square feet, which was three or four times bigger than anything else we've opened before. We decided to invite all of our top suppliers to come have a look. So we hired a 52-seater coach. Uh, They all came, uh, we all met at the place, they all came on the coach, we took them down to Liverpool. We showed them the shop opening. After the shop opening, we took them to the warehouse, showed them around the warehouse, and then me and Dave did a presentation to them. They loved the shop, they loved the warehouse, and at the end of the presentation, I uh, asked them what they thought, and they all agreed it was fantastic. I, and I asked them for their help, and, and they said, what do you need, Steve? I says, well, you can see in the warehouse, the warehouse was late, we had got 10 million pounds of stock, I can't pay, I can't pay you for it. And this is what do you need? And I said, well, I need three months um, credit. You know, would you freeze your cheque for three months and then we're able to pay? And it only took one to put their hand up and say, Steve, I'm in. Mm. And they all did. Yeah. And if, if, and if they hadn't done that, then Poundland wouldn't be here today. Wow. So for me, what that learned me is suppliers are as important as customers. Yeah. And they they all freeze the checks for three months, which allowed the wares to kick in, which allowed us to open more shops, to allowed just the cash flow to come in. And very shortly after Christmas was coming back again because September it's amazing really that customers start buying Christmas stock in September. Mm. <laughs> it gets early and early every yeah, year.
0: Yeah it does. Yeah. <laughs>
2: And the West kicked in there. I could tell that my father was um, he was disappointed that we hadn't sold. And I'll always remember, I used to go to uh, breakfast meetings and uh, at a particular breakfast meeting, I met a guy from, uh, who was in the finance world, a guy called Tim Franks from a company called Advent. And he said to me, if you ever wanna sell, give me a call. And this is where um, you're only as good as what you know. I always say contacts are, contacts are so important. When somebody gives you a, cont- a card, you might not do business now, Ooh. but sometime in your life, if you think if you think that person is good, you're going to do business with them. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm doing business now with people. Give me a card. 15, 20 years ago. Ooh. Go through my card. Like, oh. I need a photographer. Oh God, yeah. eight years ago, ten years ago, somebody gave me a card for a, a photographer. <laughs> mm. So I'd phone up and say, remember we met and give me a card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. can you come and... Um, so I, fa- I phoned this guy up and said, uh, um, I met you a year, two years ago, Um we're in the new wares now, the business is exciting, come up have a look. And he came to see the new wares and he loved it and within a week and a half, we had an offer for... Uh, almost fifty million pound. So within six well within six months of that guy right, right ripping the check up. Wow. To the second offer, from twenty million to fifty million. Yeah. <laughs> Soon's got the offer letter, phoned dad. <laughs>
0: dad
2: was, What are you gonna do now? <laughs> oh god, what do I do now? And at the time I had um two boys and I thought, Well the next stage of the business is going to be another big growth because now the West is going to grow from 200 million to half a billion then from half a billion to a billion. Um, it's a lot of check, a lot of money. Um, what do we do? So I made the decision. So I said, okay, I'll sell. And it, they came and did their due diligence and I thought it was going to be a nice experience selling and it it wasn't for me.
0: Why not? Because I've heard that quite commonly. My friend Neville Wright, who sold Kiddie Care, yeah, yeah. said it was one of the worst days of his life. So the
2: oddest thing, so I came to sell the business, and I thought to myself, um, so at the time, I built up a good management team. Um, I bought some people on board. If I'm really honest with you, if I wasn't selling, there's no way I would have bought them on board. We had to bring them on board just so on paper. Yeah, yeah. We got the people behind, which allowed me the... Chance of walking away. Yeah. Because I don't think I could have stopped there and did the business over and be part of it with other people leaving it. Why not? It. I don't know. I like to. Get, oh, I, I, think, I think things changed. Now I'm older, things have changed now because I, I do invest in a lot of startup businesses. But um, at the time, there can only be one boss and yeah. somebody in control.
0: So you didn't really want to take orders from anyone else?
2: When I take, take orders, I listen to everyone else, but it's just, at the time, I used to just lead it, I'd just been used to leading it and yeah. making decisions every day and it's hard to let go, let go of your baby, Yeah. but I decided to sell it. Um. So Advent came in, did their due diligence and, um, and well, what, well, we had to go to London to sell it, to all the top solicitors down in London. Yeah. Um, all the solicitors, it was almost like, I can't believe how much it cost us to sell the business. Everybody wants to get involved. All the lawyers, oh, God, this is the last time we can make a, a good chunk of money. Let's all... And then we had like six lots of solicitors selling it. Wow. All um, taking their
0: fees. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Mum and Dad actually came... They didn't come very often in the 10 years from New Yorker, but they came when we opened the Meadowhall Shopping Centre. They came in between and they came when we were selling it, yeah, and we went to London, there me and Tracy, my, me and my wife, mom and Dad, went to London, and Dave came uh, for a day, and I'll always remember the big agenda, you know, oh, the, the paperwork on the desk, and I, I was just a full day signing things. Yeah. And as I was signing things, uh, Dad used to come and tap me on the shoulder, and saying, he's going, <laughs> Um I had to sack my wife, which,
0: you know. yeah.
2: I got I got some wife, and she used to she she then had to have a solicitor to I say. How found that funny? I don't know. That's <laughs> <I> had to <laughs> <laughs> I my wife my funny. Yeah. And then she had to have a solicitor say, "Well, you know, we shouldn't be sacking you. You should not be sacked." And it was
0: like, absolutely lots of. So you're of crazy executing things. all these things on the same day, basically. At the same day, yeah. yeah.
2: And um, and one of the things I, I couldn't get in you know, I couldn't talk to the staff. I couldn't tell the staff what was going on because you know, I, used, yeah. I wanted to tell them. I'd always inform, it wasn't me, wife, Dave, that created Boundland, it was the people. Everybody, it was like one big family. Yeah. And even today, um, one of the girls there, Nikki, she worked for my father in the first warehouse. She's still with us today, wow. working in the business. Um, the finance controller, that was in Boundland, work with him today. Yeah. So there's lots of key people that we've kept in contact with, or still working today with them, you know, 30, 30 years yeah. onwards. Yeah. So the people are so important and I, I wanted to tell the people but wasn't able to. So in London <clears throat> you know, there'd be words that coming up. So I'd have to go in the room and we have to discuss about changing this word in a document and everything else and I, and where the fees we thought was we gonna cost twenty, thirty thousand pounds to sell the business. It ended up being like four hundred, five hundred thousand pounds yeah. to sell the business mm. in fees. Pretty mm. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Um and I'll always remember, um it was all day, the business was finally sold at three o'clock in the morning. Wow. Everybody's tired, everybody's exhausted. Yeah. Um it was like, okay, well done, business sold, that's it. Mm. Um, and how did you feel right then well um, it was like uh, somebody had died in somebody had died in the family Wow
0: even um, though there's 50-ish million quid yeah, yeah yeah
2: so it was like somebody's died in the business and you never you never think about the money when you're growing a business the money's always yes it's what you're doing at the end of the day the end result but as long as you are enjoying doing what you're doing the money normally follows. Yeah um, You know when I first started, you know, my first wage pack it was 22 pounder. Yeah mm. uh, Towards the end my wages was Probably up to a year or so pound. And I, was, I was taking 500 quid a week. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: But the wages was never The money was always last. So at three o'clock in the morning, it was like somebody died and all these lists are really melted for every penny. And um you know you spend hours just on the word in the document. And I'll always remember, got to the end, finished, and I said to me, Where do I get the cash? Where do I where do I pick up the cash then? They says, Oh, you don't get cash, the money will be transferred into your account. And I said, No, look, got the document. I said, Look, it says cash. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> and the word, just 50 I just
2: cash. wanted to prove a point. Uh, bloody hell, all these words been changing, and you know he says cash there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The word the, the room went quiet, but then I just joked and uh, yeah. and we went we went back home. He was all knackered, and I think we we had one one drink and went to bed. Yeah, but so it wasn't a very and and even the next day he was like uh, part of the contract. Well, you can't tell the people. Wow. So the next How long day did you have
0: to wait until you could tell them I couldn't tell them oh so someone else told them
2: so, so the company I bought it went in and wanted to tell the people and everything themselves and mm. and even that week, you know although we sold it that week, we had calls coming to us all the time, which yeah. we couldn't be contracted not to say anything, which was so difficult mm. um most days for a couple of weeks, my wife would cry every day so. Um, Mm. Yeah. So
0: it's really interesting to hear that story because I think a lot of people probably perceive that yeah, the day you yeah. sell for fifty million, a hundred million, whatever, is the happiest day of your life. But that story is not so uncommon.
2: Yeah, So for me, you've got to um, you've got to enjoy. You know, um, I'll give you a scenario, You've got to enjoy things as you build up a business. And yes, it's nice to have the money at the end of the end result but working with people that you enjoy working with yeah. and seeing, you know, being at that first shot where you, you don't know whether you're going to take nothing or lots of money or, yeah. or um, I, I'll give you something else. Um, uh, three years ago, um, I was in Dubai tra- traveling and with another business I'm involved with, which is mobile payments. I traveled to um, Dubai and then to Omen And I came back from Holborn after I, after we seemed to have done a deal with hemorrheds. And um, I had a pain in the back of my leg. And I thought, oh god, I I must have pulled my leg because I've been walking a lot. Next thing I know, I'm in intensive care. And um, my wife is called in and um, they says, you've had a blood clot. It's travelled to your lungs, it's broke off your lungs, and we think you've got three hours to live. <clears throat> and in, in those three areas, we um, obviously we just knocked back, yeah. And what, what's amazing in three year, three areas because um, there was two other people in intensive care with me. They died with the same problem as I had. And I was on the machine. I always remember. I've, I've got photographs of uh, when I was there. I've got. I always remember on this machine. Every every few minutes it was calibrating and it was going up and up and up, thinking I've got three hours to live. And I and I was thinking, about, well, at least I've had a good life. And then you start thinking back about all the things you've done in your life. You know, and it falls into two categories. The thing, uh, sorry, all the things you've done in your life, uh, you know, remember the first shop, remember remember when you had that checkup, remember, you know, the first employee, uh, all, you know, all the things and experience you've done with Poundland, with We've. Pound nine, we've we spent time uh, with Prime Ministers, spent time with the Dentistry, we spent time meeting the Queen. Uh, so we've done lots of exciting things with Poland. Um, and then you, all that is gone in your mind five year, you know, in five minutes. And you have got two and a half hours to live, to live, and then you start thinking: well, the things you would like to do. You're forcing two categories: the things that you've got control over. So, for example, I wish I'd gone to the Maldives, but I never did it. And then the stuff you haven't got control of, I'd like to go to my son's wedding. Well, that's, that's up to him. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so it's amazing, and you, you didn't really, the money allows you to do things, but I think life is about experiences. Yeah. The money allows you to have more experiences, but the things that you remember most is the things that really didn't cost much money, mm. the things when you're growing up your businesses, Um, The things that you laugh about.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So do you regret then selling?
2: The things you regret, um, it would have been nice to see that business go through, you know, from 200 million to half a billion
0: to a billion. Is it about 1.5 now? So what is it? It's
2: quite... The marketplace now uh, for pound shops, we were the first people to bring the pound concept into the country. Yeah. Um, And from there, lots of other people copied yeah. but the marketplace uh, when we went last time we did that was, research was the marketplace now is worth five billion wow um the 85 percent of the population have either been in or brought from a pound store yeah um what you what you regret is is the people working with the people
0: as yeah. in you miss that so you, you,
2: you miss working with the people and the laughs you have along the journey. Yeah, um, you know, and it's very hard because when you do sell, they—they, they, uh, although we we made uh, almost five people millionaires. Yeah, with what we did. Um, but I suppose the bulk of the people, you know, six thousand people are still working. You know, it's people still working there today. Um, so you miss working with the people, really.
0: Yeah. So you're in intensive care and you think you've got two and a half hours or whatever to live. In addition to what you said, what else goes through your head? Any regrets? Any, well, what? So you,
2: you, um, it's very difficult when you've got two hours, hours to live, you, your family and children are eight hours away. Um, so uh, what we did, um, Trace and I, put our mind to um, finding the drug. So in, in two and a half hours, we found a test drug in the world, got it delivered, had it, and it was a 10% chance of surviving with it, and I survived.
0: Wow. Hmm. Maybe all your experience of trading product all over the world helped to get
1: over <laughs> quick.
0: <laughs> yeah, wow, that's, that's amazing. Can you remember any bad advice you've ever been given? Does any? Now this is a bad question, I know, but it sometimes gets good answers. Um, like adv- worst advice bad
2: advice I was, I always remember working on the market store where everybody says we're crazy on the pricing because we give good value for money mm. and someone says you're crazy you're working too cheap you should put your prices up and what we did we think well maybe we're wrong maybe we should listen to them and we put our prices up and the first week turnover same turnover yeah. we made double the amount of money and we think copy we're wrong yeah um, second week, the turnover came down. Third week came down. Fourth week, dropped out the floor. Right. And it took us probably eight months to get our customer flow back mm. because people come, they buy off you. They don't say, you do dear now. They just buy because I'm there, but they don't come back. Mm.
0: Why were you so keen to get store after store after store after store after store? Why didn't you get to five or ten and go, that's enough for me?
1: Um,
2: I used to love buying, and um, buying is all about buying power. And if you get more buying power, you can do more with right. it. So instead of four kitchen, kitchen rolls, if I get the buying power, I can have six kitchen rolls for a parent here. Yeah. Um. If I do ten million, till I can go into importing. If I do fifty million, we can have our own office. If right. we If we do hundred million, I can, <laughs> I can get the, a bit more margin uh, for the yeah. company. Um So it's all about buying power.
0: Yeah. Okay. Poundland, what would you say is or was unique about it, the concept?
2: Well, it's obviously unique that everything is one pound because, um, you know, cu- customers used to come into the shop and used to say, I can't believe everything's a pound. And that, that is the question that drove the stuff mad. Yeah. Uh, and I'll always remember because I thought, just put it on the way, you know, we'll poundland, everything one pound, that will do it. People can't believe the value for money that we gave. And every ticket edge. I mean, the phrase was, yes, everything is one pound.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. So that, that was, must be so unique. I can't think of any other pricing model like that.
2: No, so there's no pricing model like that. And because of that pricing model that you found that people like Aldi, Sains, Sainsbury's, Tesco started doing pound sections in their yeah. stores. Mm. Um. So there was, yeah, so the everything for one pound was... And because we give such great value, um, and because we had great positions, we got the passing trade to bring people in. Yeah. Um, so that one pound um, price pay because the stigma people used to think, well, for a pound it must be must be rubbish, must be must be seconds. Yeah, people can't believe what we sold, mm. and I'll always remember um, getting into brands. Um, our first brand was WD forty. Yeah. Water and
0: Displacement 40 after <laughs> all the failures, yeah.
2: <laughs> so WD40 was our brand, and uh, although I tried to go into brands, nobody would serve us because we was a pound price point. Yeah. We give great value for money, so we, we was really cutting up the market. And I'll always remember going to the NEC Spring Fair show, walking onto the WD stand, and probably made the mistake of saying, uh, when they said, where are you from? I so I'm from Poundland. Oh, you sell things for a pound? Yes. Um, we'll, uh, we'll come and see you. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: they never did. Yeah. And on the second, sorry, second or third year, I went to, on their stand again, and I said, and they said, we'll come and see you. And I said, you've said that two years. I'm not leaving the stand <laughs> until you take an order from me. Yeah. So it's about being persistence and getting what you want, really. Yeah. yeah. I'm fine with startups and entrepreneurs. If you... <laughs> You get what you want, yeah. and I so said I'm not leaving until I, I, I place an order, and by this time I, we'd opened a few shops, so we had buying power, and at the time I probably wanted 10,000 pieces, but just to show them we can give a good order, I place an order for 50,000 tins, wow. yeah? Yeah. and at the time the best price I could get was 82p. If you remember, we sell for mm. 83p plus fat, yeah. so he's going to make a penny on the product.
0: Wow,
2: and they took the order off us, and they delivered within eight days. I phoned them up and said, "Can I place an order?" And they said to me, "What have you done with the fifty thousand cans?" And I said, "I've sold them." They couldn't believe how fast we sold them. Yeah, and 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 the, the, our price came from eighty three p to eighty p to seventy p to sixty five p. Yeah, um, and I. I'll always remember we got down to from eighty three to seventy eight p to seventy five p to seventy p, and then and we placed orders every seven to ten days with them, yeah. and I just stopped, and because they got used to taking orders off us, they phone me says, "Well, how come we have stopped?" I said, "Well, we're not making the margin, so I'll have to stop now." Right? Within a week, they got back and give us the price we wanted, and the margin we wanted. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I always say to people about pricing. Yeah, you've got to find the 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 pricing that product sell at, and then slowly, find or quickly, find out. You know, get the price you want to get your margin. Yeah. But if I'd never started off by making one p, you know, if I took that WD forty and, you know, if I'd had the multi price shop, we might have sold it for two pounds and sold it a few. Yeah. Yeah. Find that price point sell it and then fight source it to get your margin. Mm. And we became we sold more W D forty than Alford's or anybody else wow. in the country. We became one of their biggest customers. All oh, right. And then from WD forty we then go into people like Walker's Crisps and all the other brands. Yeah. And and the brands then brought more people in, push up the um, um I don't know, the the brand of Poundland. Yeah that people can now get brands from there. Mm. That brought even more customers. Right. The turnover went up. And we, we were achieving 5 or 10% percent life for like minimum life for like sales in every store. Wow. Yeah. So um, we went from 648 products when we opened the first store. Uh, oh, God, we had almost 30,000 products.
0: <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how's business different now? To the nineties,
2: um, my wife still don't let me have a day off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she just likes to get you out of there working, does she?
2: No, I'll always remember we sold the business, and um, um, we—I was, was asked to go and um, oh, got about two months after they were starting that uh, they were starting Dragons Den. Yeah, and they asked me to go on the start of the series Dragons Den, huh. which was great. I yeah. wanted to do it. But at the time it was plastered, uh, we'd sold the business, uh, we'd, and, and people's exactly how we sold, yeah, whether it was, that we sold for, um, when we sold Pound and Complete, we sold for about 72, 74 million. Yeah. But it was plastered around, oh, they sold for 100 million, for 200 million, and the papers get carried away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And because it was in the papers and we had two young children, um, my wife wanted to get away a bit. That's why we bought this place. Right. Um, you mean and being she didn't want to be in the country, and mean? she didn't want to be in the media. Yeah. Um. So we came here to be in the country and out the way a bit. So I, I rightly wrong up turned down Dragon's Den. Yeah. Um. We built. Uh, we spent time doing this place together. We've doubled the size of what, what it was originally. Yeah. And and with that in mind, um, it took probably twelve months to do all this. Getting towards the end of it, um, so you imagine I've gone from. 6,000 people working with them, so I'm making decisions to. I've got Tracy now <laughs> <laughs> trying, trying to tell her how to cook an egg, <laughs> so she told me to get her a job. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then uh, what I've then done is I'm involved with lots of different businesses now, so um, so we in mobile payment businesses because with them when I first started Poundland, we was it was all cash. Then it went to some percentages, 20 or 30% was uh, credit card. And my belief, 10 years, no cash, no credit mm. cards, it'll all be mobile payments. Right. So I've really been looking, uh, since I've sold pound for the next billion pound business. Right. And, uh, I'm involved with a couple of things, which I think could be.
0: Do so you know mobile, to say what they are?
2: So mobile payments is one. Yeah. So we've got a mobile payment. we now white labelling for lots of other brand brands people. Um and on the mobile payments. So for example, you can be in a restaurant, you can order your food, you can walk and go. Um we it's at the moment it's in Birmingham. It's going live in London shortly. There's about five hundred venues in Birmingham. And then we've linked up with some of the major players and white label the software for them. Right. Um I was amazed with uh, with the airlines, you yeah, know, when I needed I went to see the airlines. That, uh, for example, Emirates, you go on their airline, seven hundred people on their board, they're carrying fifty products on board. You can buy. Yeah. You land in Dubai; it's the biggest duty-free in the world. Yeah. Passengers have got eight hours to shop. Right. Why don't we do mobile payments something online? Yeah. Yeah. And then we, oh, great, great one. Let's do, let's do a five million trawl, pa- passengers haul. Yeah. Um, so mobile payments. The other thing is recruitment. Um, I'm involved with recruitment. We do financial and banking risk and compliance and cybersecurity, because i mean, I high volumes, I believe, um, I've recently bought the name Temps, Temps.co.uk. Yeah. and I really believe that cus- uh, people are gonna uh, do different jobs in the world. So for example, in Poundland, Poundland's uh, mm-hmm. store man, he's busy on the van, fill up the shelves. Yeah, uh, sandwich shops, dinner time, so busy. But the rest of the time is quiet. So I believe that people can't afford to keep people there all the time, and people want different experiences. So you could be, with the app that we're building, you could be working at Poundland in the morning, summer shop in the afternoon, and another job, the after- you know, right. another job that night. Yeah, yeah. So you can have three jobs, you'll make more money because you're in the busy times, Yeah. You get, you'll get more skills. So we bought the name Thames.co.uk, and I think that could be another billion pound business. Mm-hmm. I'm involved with, uh, max time which is time intended systems. So you put your finger in. It's something we developed in Poundland. Um for time attendance. We've now got almost two thousand uh, place sites across the UK using it. So we've got uh, um, oh, sorry, no we've got we got uh, seventeen hundred care homes. Yeah. We're in retailers, we're in factories, we're in height rings, anywhere where the staff wear the clock in and out.
0: Yeah. Right. So we do all the payrolls. That's Did you start all these companies or invest in these companies?
2: So what happened with that company is the guys used to work in the IT department for me, and when we sold Poundland, they went to. They didn't like the structure and the politics of the company. They went to set their own company up. Right. Met him one night. How hey, you doing? I'm working. Out. I've got. I've got an idea. <laughs> max time, remember what we did in Poundland, we built that system doing this, well there's now a new time, a new uh, biometric system come in, I can get them from China cheap, why don't we do that? Yeah. So, what you find, if you've got the right team in place, you got the right idea, you got the right contacts, you don't take much money to set things up. That company, um, I invested 20,000 pounds. Right. That does a couple of million turnover a month now. Yeah. Um, which is amazing, mm. um, so um, my son, as I felt bad about my dad selling booties because I sold Poundland, I also maybe did the same to my kids, mm. I, sold, I sold the family business when my kids was growing up, they've now left school, right. but although we had Poundland Pound World, um, and the 99p shop we bought. We, um, customers used to say, I'm going to the Pound Shop. just to drive me mad. Got Poundland, I'm going to the Pound Shop. Yeah. So I tried to buy Poundshop.com um, quite a few years, and because I was involved with Poundland, they want stupid amounts of money for it. Mm. And I was able to buy it three, three and a half years ago for 5k. Wow. Poundshop.com. Yeah, and I bought it, and we uh, we set up a company mainly for my kids, my two boys, called Poundshop.com. And where in the um where in the uh, in Poundland, the average spend was four pounds. It's now online today. I've been looking this morning because it's Black Friday.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: And the average spend today is over fifty pound per customer. Wow. So from four pounds. Install, yeah, fifty pound. If I had Poundland today, I would be doing both because I think you you need to give customers both. Uh, with Poundland, although we had good systems and we knew everything at the warehouse level, at the shop level, we only the it was the the branch manager that would know that Mary comes in three times a week and what products she buys. Yeah, but with online, you get to know everything. Yeah. How often do they buy, what do they buy, what of items they click in, what interests them. Yeah. Um, so I, I would be doing both today. You, you need bricks and walls and you need the clicks.
0: Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people I've spoken to who are in retail, when they've seen others struggle, it's because they're only in retail and they're not in online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it also seems like a lot of retailers are adding services rather than just products to try and navigate this. Do you think it's a scary time for retail? I mean, obviously it's been hit pretty hard. Oh yeah, I, th- I think
2: yeah, I think it's a scary thing for retail. I think the the, the, the two big things I, for me is rates. Um, the rates have always, you know, if you take that shop, West Bromwich, I paid twenty six grand all in, and um, rates was normally R for what you paid in rent. So let's say uh, let's say you paid twenty grand rent, you pay six grand rent. Yeah, nowadays. The rent went up and up and up, and the rates went up and up and up. That shop, um, because I looked at a different concept, that shop, because I know it, I was offered 18 months ago. That shop now is over 100 grand in rates alone. Wow. There's no way you're going to make it pay.
0: No. Nah.
2: And most of the footfall have gone down, because a lot of people now are shopping online. Yeah. Um, But... I would be doing both. I'd to be having the footfall in the shops and, uh, getting, for example, a lot of people buy on com the every year products. So they still go in Yeah. but they buy the every, the every essential every product from us because it's yeah. delivered.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah. So this yeah. podcast, Steve, has the, in the title, it has the word disruptive. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I always like to ask people, what does disruptive or a disruptive entrepreneur, what does that mean to you? If you, if you take mobile mobile
2: payments um we totally change everybody's used to doing cash and credit t- cards yeah mm. with mobile payments we can totally change the way people pay for things yeah so
0: for me i'll find that as disruptive mm. yeah i mean i guess poundland was disruptive because no one else had the courage to sell everything for a pound everyone thought you were crazy for doing it how can you make money on it how can suppliers make money on it that sounds quite disruptive to me.
2: Yeah, yes, yes. And everybody said it will never work. And it was it was all about proving them wrong and proving the concept. And mm. once we proved the concept,
0: then we grew the business and uh, and then sold it. Mm. And-, and were you driven by just what you wanted to achieve or were you to some degree driven by proving people wrong? Did you like proving people wrong? So for example, on Monday, I'm having dinner with David McCaw he says i can't help it whenever anyone says i can't do something i have to go do it i have to prove them wrong I can see someone smiling at the back there so do you like proving people wrong um <laughs> i don't think
2: about proving people wrong although i just know if if it's doable then then we do it and yeah and it's with the people i've got around with with me so it's it wasn't about me or Trace doing pound that it was about the people that we got around. With. I believe that the people around us could do it, and yeah. we could do, you know, 10, 50, 100, 200 million pounds to another. Yeah. Um, but I do love to look at out the box and think how we, can we do things differently? Mm. Um, we work, we're working on the um, distribution software at the moment. How can we? How can we do the software to make awareness work totally different to what people are used to? Yeah um, And I'm spending most mornings now 6 o'clock till 8.30 Skyping Right. Um, uh, with our India, India we, we've got an office in India what do all the software for us now? Mm. got 62 people working there. Wow. Yeah,
0: yeah. how do you juggle all these different businesses? Because you've told me three you invest in startups you do stuff with NatWest that's just what you've told me since I've been here. That sounds like five different things. How do you manage all that?
2: We've got we've got um, we're involved with uh, 16 businesses at the moment, and it's really important that the people that you work with, the people that are running the business, that you support them, yeah. help them. Um, you're there any time to pick up the phone, phone and talk to you. Um, go to some, some of the major meetings they need to go. Um, also the contacts we've gone, offer the contacts over to them. Yeah. So, you know, it's been all my life finding con- you know, the right contacts. So, oh. you know, for, so for example, one of the business we're involved with, one call um, to my friend who I know, he placed an order for a million pounds and out of that, the company made 110,000.
0: Wow. Which, and that was a startup business. Yeah. From that, one that, phone call. And that from one phone call, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, you did say earlier, didn't you, business is very much about the contacts you build. It's all about the contacts you build. It's all about, yeah, like you say,
2: being disruptive. How can you do things differently and quicker? Uh, And also,
1: it's all about the pricing, getting your prices right.